0: Thank you for listening to this message by Pastor Chad Randall at Life Story Church. We are a grassroots church located in the heart of the Bellevue community in Nashville, Tennessee. Our services are streamed live on Facebook and YouTube every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesdays, 7 p.m. Central Time. We would love for you to join us. Now here's Pastor Chad Randall. Who here wants to hear from God? Anybody? Show of hands, show of emojis, show of amens. Who here wants to hear from God? I know I do. It's a necessary part of my job, after all. I pray constantly. God, what do you want me to say to your people? God, what are what are your people going through right now, especially in in this strange time where there's so much uncertainty and people have lost jobs and, and and relationships have been more become more difficult because of the quarantine. You know, what do you want me to say to your people? What do you want me to teach your people? I pray that all the time. You can trust that church. It's an urgent prayer that I have. And I desperately need to hear from him. Because I'm your shepherd, after all. Because I know that you need to hear from Him. I know you need to hear from Him. So I say, who here wants to hear from God? Anybody? And every hand in every living room goes up, doesn't it? You know, there have been times in my life that I've just cried out to Him. I've cried out to Him. I've just said, God, what do you want me to do? And I know I'm not alone in that. I say, God, what do you, I've said, God, what do you want me to do with this situation? God, what do you want me to do with this relationship? God, what do you want me to do with this job or this opportunity or, or my life for that matter? So tonight's message is titled, uh, Simply Waiting on God. Can we see that graphic for you note takers? This is it. This is actually the continuation of a conversation that we started last month. You know, oftentimes we might do a sermon series and we may hit it every Sunday and every Wednesday until we're through the sermon series. But then there are other times where we do them in installments. Like last year, 2019, I know we did the, the disciple sermon series. We... We did that three or four different uh, Sundays, but it was spread out over the entire year. This is kind of, this is kind of one of those sermon series. And I think, that, I think the Lord has been leading me in this way to, to present it kind of stretched out because this is a foundational teaching. It's a foundational teaching that we all need to have a good understanding of. Waiting on God—what does that look like in a practical sense? So, you know, a lot of times we teach ab- about about prophecy, and other times we teach about life application, and sometimes they come they come all together. But this is really a a a, a foundational. Message that strikes right at the heart of how we live our lives and the perspective from which we live our lives. God, what do you want me to do? Right? There are no pre pre uh, no required parameters for asking this question. You can ask this question, you know, uh, God, what do you want in this situation? God, what do you want me to do with this or that? God, why won't you this or that? There's, there's no required parameters for asking this question. When you ask it, uh, you ask it when you're a new believer. You ask it when uh, you're more, more mature and seasoned in your faith. There is no point in your walk with God that you stop asking the question, God, what do you want me to do? God, what do you want me to do? Psalms chapter 130 verse 5 is kind of going to be a a foundation verse for us. Can we see that verse? Let's take a look at it. I wait for the Lord. Oh, my soul waits. And in His word I do hope. Oh, church. It's in His word that we do hope, isn't it? I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. I've been listening to... Uh, Jonathan Lee's record, uh, Let Them Hear. I put it in the CD player in my car this past week and I just can't get it out. Every time I turn my car on, I, I, sw- I, I immediately start worshiping. There's a song that I shared yesterday it's called My Soul Cries Out. And if you guys haven't seen it, I encourage you to, check, uh, to look it up on YouTube or click on the link that I put on my Facebook page yesterday. Uh, the lyrics are... They're, they're, they strike to the heart of one who asks this question, God, what do you want me to do? You know, they, they strike to the heart of the person that is waiting on God for something, for an answer, for, for divine timing to line up, whatever it is. The, cor- the chorus says to feel, oh, to feel your heart beating in mine. And to see your eyes gazing with fire. Oh, my soul cries out. And uh, does, does our soul not cry out for that moment? I wait for the Lord. My soul cries out. My soul waits, says the psalmist. And in his word I do hope. No matter where you are on your journey, church, he hears you. Whether you're a new believer or a seasoned veteran of this life and walking with Him, there's never a point when we stop asking that question, God, what do you want me to do? And I'm telling you, He hears you every time. So, so I've got a subtitle to today's, uh, tonight's message. Well, a couple weeks ago, we talked about waiting on God. Tonight, we're talking about waiting on God again, but our subtitle for the message tonight is going to be this. Are you ready? Write this down, God sees you, He hears you, and He uses it all. Oh church, He uses all of it. Whether you're living for yourself right now, or living a life of surrender, whether you've sown the wind and now you're reaping the, the whirlwind, or you've dug your grave and now you're having to line it, or if you've grown enough in your faith to finally surrender, He hears you. It doesn't matter where you are in that spectrum. If your your soul cries out wholeheartedly, Yahweh God, my Father, my Creator, Jesus, why? Why this? Why that? What do you want? What do you want me? From me, wherever you are, church, He hears you. It seems like early on in our journey, in our Christian walk, we tend to ask the question, why God the most? At least that's been the way it was for me. Uh, That was the case for me. You know, when we have to deal with the consequences of our own actions, we find ourselves saying that, asking that question pretty often. We ask, why God? I mean, I personally have vivid memories of doing this, you know. All the while, I'm asking, God, why is this happening? All the while, that inner voice inside of me is saying, I'm getting what I deserve. I'm reaping what I sow, right? We can laugh about it, but the truth is that, you know, it wouldn't, it wouldn't take God, hear me on this, it wouldn't take God in most situations to tell you Why? It really wouldn't. Usually, a third party observer could tell you simply enough why something is happening in your life or why something isn't happening in your life. You know, there's uh, a movie. I can't think of the name of it, but years ago, there was. Uh, I saw a movie uh, with Johnny Depp in it, and he's driving down an interstate with an, another guy, uh, Benicio del Toro, and they're driving down. This is years ago, and they're driving down a highway in a convertible, and one of them opens a a bag or briefcase of money and all the money flies out and one of them is you know on drugs or something and says to the other one oh did you just see what god did to us and the other one responds and says god didn't do that you did that right i think so often in our lives we find ourselves asking god why did why god why is this happening to me and so third and it wouldn't even take god answering A, a third party observer could easily say to you well here's why it's happening god didn't do that You did that, you know. But even in a place of compromise and living a self focused life, God hears you, church, because no matter where you are on His journey, He hears you. And I've had, I personally have had uh, a number of different phases to my walk with Jesus, just like the rest of us have. You know, which is not surprising, you know, because it's, as, it's, as our physical bodies grow and mature, right, so do so does our spirit and our spirit man or woman, right, mature and grow as well. You know, I've mentioned before, you know, that i moved to Nashville to do Christian music, right, years ago, 20 years ago now. Uh, moved from Madison, South Dakota with a guitar player, uh, a friend of mine, Shane, and we wanted to do Christian music, and we moved here, and... You know, it wasn't but a couple months into being here that, you know, different opportunities happen and we're pursuing secular music all of of a sudden with different recording uh, contracts and stuff, you know. But I remember at the time I was pursuing it, it wasn't just about serving God for me. I like to think it was, but it was about serving God, but it was how I wanted to serve God. It wasn't just about serving God period. I wanted to serve God at that time in my life. Let me get personal here. I wanted to serve God, how I wanted to serve God. Is anybody else tracking with me here? I think I think you are. You know, I can't say that I was surrendered to God's will for my life. So my expectations were all over the place. I was wa- I was surrendered to wanting to serve him, but I was I was not surrendered to doing His will, and there's a difference there, a big difference, church. So it wasn't long into that phase of my life that I again found myself, God, what do you want me to do? I'm here, I'm, I'm trying to do this for you, I'm trying to do something, I'm pursuing Christian music, this is a good thing. Think of all the good things if you'd help me out with a little success here, God, right? But I was trying to serve Him on my terms. Do you hear me here, church? Because I had decided what the answer to that question was already. I had all... Waiting on God. Asking God, why, when, what? I had already decided the answer to that question myself. So my, my frustration would only be prolonged because of that my frustration would only be prolonged it wasn't so much it didn't and here's the thing about it when when you find yourself in that place church it wasn't so much a dead end but a road without end because you can travel down that road for a long time and you can just keep driving and think that you're driving into your destiny but you're just you're driving nowhere on a road without end because you're not chasing God's will, even if somehow you formed it in your mind that you're doing it as a service to Him, if you're not surrendered to Him completely and say, I'll do whatever you want me to do whenever, however, whatever, you know, <sighs> Mm-mm. but I was ready to reach the promised land and instead I was on this road to nowhere and it just became taxing and taxing and taxing. But God used that phase in my life, all right? He used that phase of my life to teach me something. He used that phase of my life to prepare me even though I didn't realize it at the time. Now, I don't know how many of you uh, tonight identify uh, with the stuff that I'm talking about. Um, obviously, it's, it's personal stuff for me and I know that my, uh, my experience is going to be different than yours. But I think that in just general sense, we've all experienced this, you know? Uh, I'm able to teach on this subject now waiting on God I'm able to teach on this subject because I've been there you know and having been in the position that some of you are in right now I gained authority in this subject as a teacher because I lived it and any teacher on anything has prerequisite if you're gonna be a teacher in any area on anything you have to have lived it otherwise you have no authority to speak on it I've said this a million times before you know you don't put drug counselors into a recovery clinic if they've not been through recovery or been touched by the disease somehow right either through family members or they themselves as a matter of fact uh, recovered drug addicts oftentimes are the most effective counselors for those who are going through it why because those who are going through it can look at the counselor and say I know you know where I'm at I know how you feel and I know that you have come out on the other side of this so they have an authority. So, I can passionately and hopefully, convincingly, implore all of you not to force your will on God. Are you hearing me tonight? We're talking about waiting on God. But how many of you are just waiting on God to do what you want Him to do? What you want Him to do, not necessarily what He wants you to do. I can speak on this because it's real to me. Too many people, Church, Too many people decide for themselves what God wants them to do. And then they hold anger or they hold hurt against God when those dreams don't come to pass. Or worse, they feel that God hasn't heard them at all. Or God hasn't seen them. Or worse yet, that God doesn't love them. You know, in the Facebook uh, advertisement post for this message today, I said, you know, I said, have you... uh, let me look it up real quick I said have you ever asked God here we go I'm gonna pull it up right now because I can I'm gonna read it to you as soon as this thing loads because we're using all of the bandwidth well I guess I'm not gonna read it to you in the uh, in, the, in that moment, though, I, in the, the Facebook advertisement for tonight, I said, have you asked God uh, uh, why? Are you waiting on God? I'm paraphrasing here. Somebody can comment on the thread. Have, have, you, have you been waiting on God, but you feel like he just doesn't even hear you? So many people are in that position, and I have been in that position. But I was never in that position because God put me in that position. I was in that position because I put myself in that position. You hear me here? With wrong expectations for how God works. You know, you don't just get to pick something and then tell God that if He blesses it, that you're going to do great things with that to, to build his kingdom, or to tell people about Jesus. And then when he doesn't bless it, be upset with God. Do you hear me here, church? This is such an important piece to understanding why God may seem to be silent to you when you're crying out. Oh, my soul is crying out. My goodness, too many people decide for themselves what God wants them to do and then they hold anger or hurt against God when that dream doesn't come to pass. When in, the, the reality, when in reality the problem is that we are dreaming too small or our vision is too narrow. Or maybe our vision is even misplaced. Maybe God has created you and gifted you to do some things that you don't, you're not even aware yet that you have that gifting. Amber used to tell me all the time that I was supposed to be a pastor. I was supposed to be a teacher and I'd always tell her, no way. You know, I, my dad was in ministry growing up and I see what pastors have to go through. And yeah, no, I don't have, I don't have that. I don't have it in me to do that is what I thought, right? And then years go by, and God has t- taught me many different things through the stories I just told about, you know, the road to nowhere with with music and dreams that I'm putting on God and everything else. And and through a, a series of circumstances, I find myself pastoring, right, years later. And Amber always likes to say, it's like you've had $5 in your back pocket or in, in a in a jacket pocket that you hadn't worn since last year. You put it on, you're like, oh, great, right? There are talents in you just like that, that you don't even know are in you yet. Yet so many of us have decided what our life should look like because of what we want, and we infer that on God, and then when God doesn't do that, then we're upset at God, or we think He's not listening, or we think He doesn't love us, and that's so wrong there's so much more to you you have so much more inside of you and god wants to use you and do things with you that you perhaps have never even imagined he would or could church Mm. talk about uh, people's dreams being misplaced i mean we've all seen the american idol stuff right haven't we or all the different singing shows they have now, or America's Got Talent, or when I remember when, do you guys remember when the American Idol f- uh, show first came out, and the first half of the show, at least, was just people who would come in for the audition, and they were horrible. But it. The intention of showing that was so everybody could laugh at how horrible they were, because these people thought that they were wonderful, right? Because they maybe always sang for their mom or grandma or somebody, and mom or grandma would always say, "Oh, Hercules!" Right? They'd say, "You're wonderful. You're the best thing ever." And then they go to do a professional audition, and they're terrible, but they they so believe that they're wonderful that surely. All of the judges must be just must be wrong or must be out to get them or whatnot, right? We've we've seen people who have a misplaced conception of what they're called to do in life. Obviously, if you're tone deaf, you're not called to be a singer, right? You know, how many people, how about this? How many people, how many people uh, pray to win the lottery? I mean, they pray and they pray and they pray, oh God, if you'll just let me win the lottery, then you know what? You know I'll tithe but you know what? More than 10, I'll give 20%, not even 10% to the church, right? They pray. Do you know how many people have prayed over a lottery ticket? Many. <laughs> Do you know that 70% of all people that hit it big in the lottery go broke? 70%. <sighs> church. God doesn't want to just meet the need. He wants to overcome the need. Do you hear me? He doesn't want to give you what you want. He wants to give you what you need, and that's everything. If you're a note-taker, write this down. We're about to jump into uh, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17. Uh, It's a wonderful example of what we're talking about tonight. But i want you to write that down if you're taking notes god doesn't want to give you just what you want he wants to give you what you need because he wants to overcome the need not just meet it church you've heard the saying a thousand times right that you can give a man a fish right what will he do he'll fish for a day teach a man to fish though and what you'll feed him for a lifetime chinese proverb right You've got to know that God will use all of this. Everything that you've been through, everything. You're sitting there waiting on God and you're praying, you're praying. I'm telling you, he's going to use it if you'll let him. Even even if you have been your your hopes and dreams have been misplaced and you've been praying out of turn, because of it, praying for something that, that you don't need, or God, God wants, because God has got something better or wants to use you for something else, it'll be far more rewarding. Even if, even if that's the position that you have found yourself in, God is still going to use, He's still going to use your experiences in, 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 in the suffering of the waiting to minister to His children through you. There's a quote, I love this quote. Can we see this? I've actually put it on a tile for us tonight. I saw, uh, saw this quote about God's timing. I just think it's perfect. Can we see that? Trust in God's timing. It's better to wait a while and have things fall into place than to rush and have things fall apart. And how many people's lives are falling apart because they're trying to cram everything in the way they think their life is supposed to be or the way they think their life is supposed to look. They're supposed to have the big house, the nice best cars, the best furniture, the best schools for the kids, the best everything. How many people are trying to cram everything into this and coming up with a hodgepodge of a life that by the time they sit back and look at it, they feel emptied by it rather than fulfilled by it, church. Mm, trust in God's timing, because it is better to wait a while and have things fall into place than to rush and have things fall apart. You know, I have said this to Amber before. I just thank God, and for all those years that we were pursuing music and really thought that that's what we were supposed to do. Why? Because it's what we wanted to do. I really thank God that that things worked out the way that they they that they did, and that we ended up in full-time ministry when we did because ultimately at the end of the day you know moth and rust comes to decay and destroy everything in this world any nice car that you might have you can have the nicest newest car right but guess what in five years it's just going to be what a used car right houses i'm just look at what the natural disasters that the tornado that hit nashville did not too long ago right Anything in this life that it, you, you touch, you taste, whatever, it's temporal, church. We as Christians, we have a promise from God. We know that we are building, we are building an eternal inheritance, right? So I'm, I've said to Amber a long time ago, I'm so grateful while we were spent so many years trying to build our earthly kingdom, He pulled us out of that career field and, and threw us into kingdom work to where, to where overnight it felt like we were. Uh, uh, building, building uh, uh, eternal riches. Anyway, this is personal to me, guys. Uh, uh, you can, I hope you can tell that I feel this message. Is this waiting on God stuff? I know a lot of you guys are, are, are struggling and, and tormented by this right now. Suffering with, with, with the, the, the waiting and all of the different thoughts that go with that. You know, we cry out to God. Why? Because we want to hear from God because we're desperate on some level to hear from Him. So it's intense, it's emotional, I get that. Sometimes more emotional than others, as a matter of fact, but I promise you, I promise you, He hears you. Sometimes that is the worst part of it, to feel like He doesn't even hear you. You know, you don't have to hear from Him audibly, hear from Him, though. You know, in the Old Testament, God would send prophets to teach and instruct to His people, but now we have the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit teaches and instructs us all personally and intimately, spiritually. You know, I said this last time we talked about this, last month, you know, I referenced the, the roads of Rome being built, and I don't think I'll ever stop referencing that. You know, the people of Israel thought, had to come up, start coming up with all these different guesses and ideas, why all of a sudden no prophets were coming. For 400 years from the close of the Old Testament to when Jesus came, God stopped speaking through prophets. and he was silent and everybody came up with different ideas why, why that was. You know, the Pharisees had one idea. The Sadducees believed that, well, I guess God just must be done, and this is all there is to life, and when we die, we turn to dust, and that's the end of it. No afterlife, where the Pharisees obviously believed in afterlife and angels. So they had back and forths about that. They they were trying to figure out why did God just stop talking, because they were used to him speaking audibly through his prophets, but suddenly he stopped Why did He stop? What was happening while God was seemingly quiet? What was happening is that the Roman Empire was conquering the entire region and building the roads that would carry the gospel once Jesus came. You might think that God is silent right now, but I'm telling you, He's building the roads, likely. And oftentimes, it's us that need to get out of the way. Oftentimes, He is just waiting for us to surrender our will and lay down our plans so he can put his will and his plan into action. Mm-mm-mm. So I mentioned First Samuel uh, chapter 17, uh, verse 12 through 16. Man, I feel like at this point though, I need to say, let's just take a break for this commercial message. That took a lot out of me. <laughs> let's open our Bibles. We'll, we'll take a minute. I'll let you flip some pages. Do we hear the, the thin Bible pages flipping? Andrew, we need to get a sound effect of Bible pages just flipping, right? That'd be good. I want to take a look at David's early story. Yes, that David, King David. I want to take a look at his early story because I think it's a wonderful example to us of what it looks like to wait. So we're going to begin uh, verse 12 through 16. Let's go ahead and read. Now David was the son of Ephrataite, of an Ephrataite named Jesse, who was from Bethlehem in Judah. Jesse had eight sons, and in Saul's time he was very old. Jesse's thirteen or three oldest, verse thirteen, Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to war. The firstborn was Eliab, the second Abin- Abinadab, and the third Shammah. David was the youngest. The three oldest followed Saul. Verse 15. But David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep at Bethlehem. For 40 days, verse 16, for 40 days, the Philistine, the Philistine, any guesses who that might be? Uh, Eva, Sage, any guesses? Who's the Philistine? (laughs) The Philistine came forward, and every morning and evening, and he took his stand. Let's just stop right there. Look at David. He's a young man. He is. All the action and all the excitement is out on the battlefield, right? An intense standoff is going on at that very moment. You know, I can, I can tell you where my kids would want to be, okay? And, and where I would have wanted to be as a young man. I'd want to be in the middle of the action, all right? The battlefield, I'd be want to I'd want to be watching it all happen. Right? Can you imagine the army and enemy armies here? Your army has marched out. they you know, the Philistine is coming forward every morning to take his stand. Come on, right? So uh, I know I know where I would want to be. Yet where was David? He was in the field, right? With the sheep. <laughs> As we'll find out as we read, uh, he certainly felt as though he had something to offer to the cause. So I imagine with that in mind that he felt stuck. How many of us have felt stuck in our current situations before? Anybody? Stuck in in a a job, in employment, in a situation? Uh, Shoot, I've been there many times. I've been stuck on unemployment before, right? You felt as though you had more to offer the world even, right? It's not even about a job. You felt like you had more to offer God. Feeling as though you're not living up to your full potential maybe. Feeling as though you're not even being given the opportunity to do so or the opportunity that you deserve. Feeling that you're not walking in the fullness of your destiny. Has anybody felt like that before? Somebody type amen, all right? Somebody help me out here. I have felt that way that is for sure. First uh, Samuel, let's keep reading 1725 through28 or actually 25 through31. Now the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel the king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. my that'd be That'd be a good one. Verse 26, David asked the men standing near him, What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? I love it. This disgrace. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? I love the grit that this kid has got. Are you kidding me? He's running back and forth from Saul to the sheep. And when he he sees this this disgrace happening he's like who is that how dare he right oh i tell you what that feeling rises up in me sometimes when i feel some of this or when i see some of the stuff that's going on in the world are you kidding me hmm verse 27 they repeated to him what they had been saying and told him this is what will be done for the man who kills him Verse 28, when Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him, burned with anger at him, at his brother, and asked, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Oh my gosh, talk about, seriously, think about this. Talk about adding injury to Insult. There is nothing like being put in your place publicly by your older brother. Am I right? Oh my gosh. Let's read. Verse 29. Now, what have I done? Sounds like a little brother. What I do? Said David. Can't I even speak? Verse 30. He then turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter. And the men answered him as before. Verse 31, what David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. Now, this is where it gets good. This is where it gets good. What do you think of when you think of a shepherd? Just think of a shepherd for a moment. Think of a shepherd boy at that for a moment. You know, I always... Growing up, I would always think of maybe somebody else, uh, comment if, if you're with me, so I, I, maybe somebody else will, uh, you know, hear me here. I always used to think of these little porcelain dolls or these porcelain figurines that you'd put on a shelf called Precious Moments. My mom had them when I was uh, young. Little porcelain shepherd holding a staff, right, you know they're a statue they're they're always a baby, they're like this gentle angel, baby shepherd thing, right, you know you know I think of either that, does this is, just be honest with you, what pops in my head when I think of a shepherd, a little baby angel shepherd thing or or. I think of an old nomad guy wandering around a hillside or a desert, uh, you know, with his sheep or his goats or something. (laughs) Anybody else? I don't know. It seems like a pretty chill job to me either way. Either gentle and nice and you can take a nap, I don't know, pretty relaxing, maybe sit under a tree for a while, talk to God for a while, maybe eat some watermelon or something to that effect, but I'm telling you that visual is way, way off. You know, a a sheep, think about this in the context of the wilderness. The wilderness. Think of what his brother said. Who did you leave those few sheep with in the wilderness? Think of the context of the wilderness, right? A sheep is a thanksgiving dinner to every wild carnivorous animal in the wild. A sheep is fat, plump, juicy, and it can't defend itself David would have had every carnivorous beast in the wild coming for him. Think about that. This was no cushy job. David would have had to have had uh, been trained. He would have to be skilled. He would have had have been just he wouldn't have just been sitting under a tree, that's for sure. All that time out there with the herd, he would have been crafting his skill, waiting for the next attack, church. He would have been an expert, an expert with that sling. Let's keep reading. Verse 32, 1 Samuel 17 is where we are. Verse 32 to 37, David said to Saul, Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied in verse 33, You're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him? You're only- You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. And we know, of course, this is the giant Goliath at that, right? Verse 34, But David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. While a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. Whoa. Think about this. A lion? are you kidding me a lion or a bear good Lord Uh, when it turned let's keep reading when it turned on me I seized it by its hair struck it and killed it can you imagine fighting a lion that is fighting you for its dinner its Thanksgiving dinner sheep at that and you grab it by the mane and you strike it and kill it good Lord now well there we see it don't we David's time in the field prepared him for his time on the battlefield. I know you know by now where I'm going with this, and you might not like it, but stay with me here, okay? Could you Im- You obviously could not imagine fighting a lion in hand-to-hand combat, could you? But what better preparation for David? Let's, let's finish that verse out, okay? Verse 36. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. Boy, how about it? The confidence, huh? But why the confidence? Well, here's, here's why. Because he has defied the armies of the living God. You see, his confidence is not in his own skill, his own training, or his own size confidence is in the living God because he has defied the armies of the living God. Verse 37, the Lord who rescued me, oh, this is so good, who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. He doesn't take credit, he's not, do you see this here? Now, it seemed like a moment ago, boy, he's pretty bold and he's pretty proud and he's pretty happy to hey, look, I've killed a lion, I've killed a bear, and this guy's going to be like the rest of them, let me at him, right? He's not saying this from a place of, of a haughtiness or arrogance in his own strength or ability. He knows good and well that it was God himself that saved him from the lion. It was God himself that saved him from the bear. God himself that delivered him from his circumstances, and here he is in just another set of circumstances. And so what does he need? He needs God to deliver him, God to come through. And he, he trusts that God will because of where he's been. And we talk about this all the time, how forgetful we get. When we've had past struggles before, and we've cried out to God and cried out to God, and then it's gotten to the midnight hour, and then at the midnight hour, God comes through, or he changes the script... He delivers, he delivers not what we're asking for, but delivers uh, better than what we're asking for. And then we move forward in life, and then another circumstance comes up and we find ourselves again asking, Why God? Where are you? What's taking so long? Right? <clears throat> mm. here, here we see it. Here we see it. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion, He'll do it again. Saul said to David, Go and the Lord be with you. Not only was David's skill being grown, is the point here, all right? Are you identifying with this yet? Not only was David's skill being grown on the in the countryside, on the hillside, but his faith was being grown in that field. God sees you, church. He sees you right where you are right now. He hears you right where you are, and he's going to use it. You're learning. You're growing. You'll never have this opportunity again to to grow your faith. I'm telling you, I I say this frequently. I'll never stop saying it frequently. This lifetime, this 80 to 90 years, if you're lucky, if you live a full life, is a teardrop in the ocean of eternity. And you know what? Once you're in eternity, once you look at Jesus and you're gazing in those eyes filled with fire, Oh church, once you're there and we're in our transfigured bodies where there's no more sickness, there's no more death, there's no more sadness, it'll wipe away every tear. Once we're there, we'll never have an opportunity again to believe without seeing. We'll, we'll never have an opportunity to grow our faith like we do now. To build an eternal inheritance like we do now. Mm-mm church he'll use it all if you'll let him everything that's frustrating you everything that's fighting you everything that you're facing whatever phases of life that you're in he will use it Mm. you know I have shared a lot about me tonight right because this message is personal to me i feel like i have authority to speak on the matter you know uh years ago we tried to do the music thing all right we had publishing contracts but it really just wasn't going anywhere we kept no didn't mean we didn't keep driving but it seemed like there never seemed to be the destination of what we had envisioned the destination to be so you know i took other jobs i waited tables you know, I worked in a call center. You know, I'll never forget when I was working in the call center. I worked in the call center for three years. You know, and had an awesome opportunity to manage people and everything else. You know, I would have never in a million years thought it would have anything to do with my purpose and destiny in life. But you know, when I was managing a call center, I learned administration. I learned leadership skills. I learned how to do conflict management. I learned. Uh, and incredibly a lot of I wrote an HR manual for our company. I mean, I'd learned all of these, these tools that I currently use now. <laughs> like, you can't be a pastor and not have administrational skills and leadership skills and, con- and conflict resolution and, and vision planning and all of that stuff. You can't do what I do now without those skills. And I got those skills working at what I thought was a dead-end job that would never get me. To where I had planned to go. If God would only but bless me. And open that door. You know? Waiting tables. That was was more of the same. But I would say that was even worse than running the call center. I was desperate for more in life. Making way less money too. But you know what? I learned boldness in that restaurant. I learned how to be a pastor in that restaurant. I learned how to be a pastor in that call center. When people found out I was a worship leader, man, they had a lot of questions for me. You're a worship leader? Oh, you're a religious guy. What about Darwin? Hmm? What about gay marriage? What about this? What about that? I learned real quick that I better know what I believe and not only what I believe, but why I believe it. And, you know... (laughs) Because no canned answers work very well out in the world. When people are asking questions and they mean it, because they want... they. They want the truth. Are you prepared to give them the truth? I'm telling you, church. I learned to be a pastor waiting tables. I learned to be a pastor running a call center. God used each phase of my life and I had no idea at the time that he was. As a matter of fact, in each phase, I was incredibly frustrated and did not understand why he wouldn't just open the windows of heaven and bless the thing that I was asking him to bless because I had fully explained to him why this was a good deal for both him and I. Oh, that's not the position we want to be in, church. It's not. Be honest with yourself. Is that a position that you are in? Mm -mm -mm. Sometimes the answer isn't to quit your job. Sometimes he's got you in that job. Sometimes he's got you in that job and the new opportunity hasn't come yet because You're strategically learning something there for the next phase of your life. Can you surrender to that and be okay with that? Or do you think that God doesn't hear you? Or do you think that God is silent? Or are you going to be mad at God because He's not blessing your plans? Or how you think you should look? How you think it should look? My goodness. he sees you he hears you and he'll use it all everything that you're going through everything that you're learning right here right now while you're waiting for him he'll use it all if you'll let him he's making you get this now come on now we're gonna close up here but get this he is making you into who you're going to be for an eternity that's what this whole life is about You were born here, created here in your mother's womb. You were knit together, a spiritual, eternal being made with spiritual hands in your mother's womb. Physically and spiritually knit together here. You were born. (laughs) Either you weren't a soul in heaven and then placed in a baby like the Mormons believe. No, you were made here. You're in the mother's womb, metaphorically, so to speak. We're gonna be birthed eternally sometime soon, maybe sooner than a lot of people think. Mm. He's making you into who you're going to be for an eternity right now, and you'll never get this opportunity again. And we touched on this last week when we talked about suffering, didn't we? Why suffering? You'll never get this chance again to believe without seeing, to trust in a, in a knowledge, trust in a knowledge that passes beyond understanding. Can you wrap your mind around that? Knowledge, but it passes beyond understanding, and I'm going to trust in that. Holy cow. That's what he'll give you, knowledge that passes beyond, like it doesn't make sense, but I know it. I know the truth, and I see the truth, and I understand spiritual things And when when there's no logical reason I should, but the Holy Spirit has revealed it to me. God himself has revealed it to me. Church, let's close on uh, Psalm where we began, Psalm chapter uh, 130, verse 5, and let's pray. I wait for the Lord. Oh, my soul waits. And in His Word I do hope. Will you with me right now where you are? Say this out loud. Say this out loud. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in His Word I do hope. Let that be the prayer of your heart tonight, church. With every eye closed and every head bowed, we're so glad that you're with us tonight. We're going to continue this conversation, by the way, uh, in the next week or so. Uh, Every head uh, bowed, every eye closed. Let's pray tonight. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you comfort us, that you come alongside the brokenhearted. We thank you that your promises are true, God. Lord, we reject false doctrine. We reject false promises that false teachers have made to us, Father. And we rely on your word, Father, and we trust in your word, the truth that is in your word, God. I ask that you'd see your people who've been waiting tonight, who may be brokenhearted by the waiting, God. That you'd open their eyes, Father, that you'd speak to their hearts, God. Perhaps some of them, you've been waiting on them, and it's the other way around. You've been waiting on them to get this perspective. I pray that they receive it tonight, God. They lay down their will and say, and say, as Jesus, you told us in the Lord's Prayer, not my will, but your will be done. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let it be so. Let that be the posture of our hearts, God. That we be focused on building your kingdom, not our own little kingdoms here, God, where moth and rust will decay, God, but your kingdom, Jesus. Let us see things that way, Lord. Take the scales off of our eyes and let us see you and see you in your fullness, Lord. Hear our hearts. Our souls are crying out to you, God. Let it not be, let those cries not be amiss, Father, for wrong perspectives and wrong ideas of who you are and how you work and the promises that you have or have not made us, God. Lord Jesus. If you're here tonight, and that's you, and this is hitting right home with you tonight, I don't care if you're alone, raise both hands. If you're in the living room with somebody else, raise, raise your hand. Acknowledge it to somebody if you can, or type and say, that's so me on the thread. Whatever it is, just own it and say, I surrender. I surrender my will for your will, Jesus. I will not put on you uh, my desires that... Oh, church, so many of us, we've, we're so mixed up emotionally, too. So, we have so much unhealth in us emotionally that, that we, we, we get these ideas or these notions in our own heads that, that we think you know, are, are righteous or noble, so we infer them on God and ask God to bless or we think God's telling us something. when that's not, God has spoken in His Word... And if we lay down our will, He'll lead us into into His purpose and destiny. But you know what? His purpose and destiny is all about building the Kingdom, one soul at a time. Church, let's do this, let's do this. If you've never given your heart to Jesus Christ, or maybe, maybe this is, maybe you thought you had, but you realize, you know what? I've had this idea of God, and it's been all wrong, and you want to say a prayer of rededication, let's do that. Let's pray right now. If that's you, raise your hand. Let's pray. Jesus, I believe that you're God. I believe that you love me. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. I believe that you rose from the grave on the third day, and that is my blessed hope, that you will take me to where you are. Because you live, I live. I believe your word is true. And your word has promised me that salvation by faith and my belief in you. And so I receive it and I say thank you. And my heart rejoices and I take hope in that. Oh Lord, just use me for what you will. I surrender my heart. I surrender my desires. I surrender my ideas of what my life is supposed to look like. How about that? Lord, have your way. Your will be done. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen and amen. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. May he pour favor out on your lives. May you go in grace and prosper in all you do. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. We love you guys. We'll see you Saturday for the workday if you're local. If not, we'll see you Sunday morning, uh, either live and in person, or uh, here on YouTube and Facebook. We love you guys. Hi, I'm Pastor Chad Randall. And I'm Amber Randall. We founded Life Story Church, a grassroots church in Bellevue, outside of Nashville, Tennessee. We are Bible-believing Christians who believe church is about family doing life together. Thank you for joining us today on the Life Story Church podcast. Visit lifestorychurch.com or facebook.com slash lifestorynashville to learn more about us.